Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of Community Bible Church in Savannah, Georgia. We hope you'll enjoy this sermon from our series, Progress and Joy, a study on Philippians. For more information about CBC or how you can get plugged in, visit our website, cbcsavannah.com. This is one of those texts where I'm just reminded that the scripture, you know, people think the Bible is just kind of old, stuffy book and a bunch of rules. But this is one of those passages that just reminds me that the Bible is living, that it is active, right? Because it's just, it's such a relevant text. And, and often people come up after the sermon, oh man, I felt like you were just talking right to me. And it wasn't me, it was God, the Holy Spirit, using his living and active word to speak to you. And by his grace, he does it all the time. Why? Because scripture is alive, right? And we're going to come to a passage, and it's going to talk about a topic today. It's not one you hear about in a church a lot. It just doesn't get a lot of press. You don't talk about it a lot. But yet it's huge. Jesus deals with it. Peter deals with it. Paul is going to deal with it. And if you've read ahead, you know it's the topic of anxiety, yeah, uh-huh. Worry, right? Okay, I, I didn't realize, you know, how big of an issue this is. Did the little research this week. The anxiety disorders are the number one mental illness in our country. 18% of the population, 40 million people struggle with this. Cost the U.S. government $42 billion a year, one-third of our mental health budget goes to anxiety disorders, right? It, it's, it's, it's huge. And we got all sorts of ways to try to manage it, right? We got behavior therapy, and we got cognitive therapy. We got yoga. We got aromatherapy. We got acupuncture, right? We got tranquilizers. We got all sorts of things. <laughs> and then there's the, the whole self-management of, I'm going to have an affair. I'm going to get addicted to TV or video games or, or alcohol, Right? Because it's huge. But y'all, there's got to be a better way to manage this. I mean, putting my heel behind my ear while I smell something wintry, while people poke me with needles, does not exactly, that stresses me out more than anything. <laughs> right, there's got to be a better way. Does Jesus have anything to say about worry? Does he have anything to say about anxiety? And the answer is, he does. And so we're going to see what he has to say today as we, as we dive into the scripture. Um, because we, well, what we want is peace, isn't it? Peace is the opposite of anxiety. Peace is the opposite of worry. We want peace. And Jesus told the disciples, if you, if you read the Gospels, on his last night as he's, as he's with the disciples and he's doing the Lord's table and introducing that, he tells the disciples, he says, My peace I leave with you. My peace. But if you know anything about that last week of Jesus' life, it was like a a big battle. It wasn't a lot of peace. He's fighting every day in the temple with with the Pharisees. And then right after he says, my peace I leave with you, he tells the disciples, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. I'm going away. And if if you're one of the disciples, you got to be thinking, wait, every time you go away, things, bad things happen. The boat starts sinking Peter starts mouthing off. Everyone starts, you know, messing around. When Jesus goes away, there's never any peace. And now he says, oh, I'm going to give you peace, but I'm going away. How can that be? That's what we're going to look at this morning. 
as we look about anxiety and worry and how to have peace, right? Let me read our text and we'll jump in. Philippians chapter four, verses just, just four through nine. Familiar text for many of you, but let me read it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. Anxiety and worry. What is, you think, ever think about what, it, what is anxiety? What is worry? I mean, ultimately, kind of boiled down, anxiety is anticipating the future and, and it being the worst possible scenario and then freaking out about it. That's not clinical, but that's, in essence, what it is, where you are a prophet of doom and everything, whatever happens, no matter which scenario, it's going to be the worst, right? That, that's, in essence, what anxiety is, right? And we got all sorts of causes, the fear of the future, we got conflict in the present, we got decisions we've made in the past, we hate driving, no one else can drive, I'm the only one who can drive in Savannah, and so there's stress and there's anxiety, and all these reasons, so many reasons, but what does Paul say? How do we deal with it? What's the first thing he says? And we've seen this before. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. Now, if you've been here a couple weeks, you're like, wait, like, he didn't need to say this like three weeks ago, right? Yeah, it was three weeks ago. But if he's writing a letter, it's like 90 seconds ago. They just read it and they're reading it again. And they're thinking, Paul, I think you're losing your mind in jail because you just said this. The only difference is now he puts the word always, right? Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. And I, some of you are probably thinking, yeah, yeah, but doesn't there's some like magical secret Greek word where always only means like on Sunday and, and when my football team wins? That's what always means, right? And he anticipates that you're going to ask that question. So he says, oh, by the way, again, I will say rejoice. When? Always. Always. What is the first key to peace? What is the first way to deal with anxiety and worry? And frustration, it's rejoice in the Lord. That's what he says. That was point one like four weeks ago. It's point one again. And reminding you is no problem, as Paul said, and it's a safeguard. And we've talked about it a couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but here's the deal. Remember, it's, it's rejoice what? Not in your circumstances, but in the Lord. Right? Our, we rejoice in the Lord. And, and the problem what many of us have, and the reason some of y'all are so stressed and some, so anxious, and it all comes down to expectation. It's all about expectation. So if I tell my wife, honey, get dressed up. We're going out. We're going to eat at a great fine dining restaurant. I have cleaned the minivan. I have got a babysitter. I've shaved. And we're going to eat some, and we're going to go out on a night on the town finest food we can get. And we get in the minivan and I pull, and I, if I pull into Chili's, what is going to happen? Probably nothing. That's another story. All right. 
But what? Why? Because I set expectations, right? Now, if I told her, honey, we're going to go out and get some you know, microwave quasi-Mexican food, and then, and then we show up at Chili's, the expectations have been set. That's what's been expected. Some of y'all expect that everything is always going to be perfect. That's your expectation. That if I just do these things, life should be like this. And it's worse in the church because people think, I, because I'm good and I go to church and I tithe and I send my kids to Christian school and blah, 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 that everything's going to work out fine. And when it doesn't, you're all mad and bitter at God because he didn't, hunt up his, he didn't hold up his end of the bargain, but you did all your stuff. And it's all because your expectations are warped. You and I live in a broken, fallen world. It's, it's where we live, right? And there's ups and there's downs. And if you think you should always be up here, what are you going to do? You can do anything you can. Medicine, you know, self-medicating, alcohol, whatever, to try to stay here when you were never designed to be all the way up here. It's, that's not the way it works. It's false expectations. And, and here's what's interesting. The same Jesus who says, I give you peace, peace I leave with you, is the same Jesus who said, in this world, you're going to have some trouble, right? Same thing. How can that be? How can I have peace and trouble? Because what Jesus is promising is not peace from hardship. What he's promising is peace in the midst of it. That's the difference. And where does it come from? Rejoicing the Lord. And here's what you need to understand, Christian. If you're a Christian this morning, and I know we got lots of people in here who probably are not, and we're glad you're here, but let me just talk to Christians for a minute. If you're a Christian, right, you have enemies that are trying to steal your joy. They are constantly trying to steal your joy. Three specific enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all three of them, their desire is to steal your joy and to not let you have peace. Now, before you were a Christian... You only had one enemy, God. You were his enemy. You were an object of his wrath. And the beauty of our God is that he, he seeks to deliver. He seeks repentance from his enemies. He lavishes them with his love and makes his enemies his children. But the minute you become a Christian, God is no longer your enemy, but the world, the flesh, and the devil are. And their desire is to steal your joy. And you need to understand that. They want to keep you from peace. And so you have to expect that everything is not going to always work out. Your circumstances will go up and they will go down. But what you can also expect is that Christ will not change and that you can find joy in him. And, and you're going to have to. Because we have just a knack as people. We have a knack to find even good things that God gives us to find something to worry about. You got a great house you live in? Yeah, but what if taxes go up? What if... If a hailstorm comes, got a great job, yeah, but the economy, God's given you some great kids, yeah, but where are they going to go to school and are they going to marry a crackhead and what's going to happen? <laughs> we, can, we can find ways to worry all the time if you want, right? But he says, rejoice. And not in circumstances, but in the Lord. And it, here's why, I, this is why I hate preaching sermons like this. Because I know that when I have to preach this, that God is going to make sure I understand it. And so he's going to allow something to happen 
And so it's, you know, I'm making it through. The, it's like Thursday. I'm like, man, it's been a pretty good week. Maybe I'm going to make it to the end. I'm going to get to Sunday. And so I'm a mile and a half from the house. I get a phone call. Where are you at? I'm almost home. Milton got out. Now, Milton the dog, we live in a place that people don't like it when dogs are wandering on their golf courses or any place else. So I'm like, great. How did he get out? So I pull up and I see Milton across the street barking at a car, which is stopped. And I'm like, okay, at least he's close. I know. And as soon as he sees me pull in, he runs into the house because he knows his life is about to end. Okay. And so then I go up and I tell the guy, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, my dog. He just likes cars, I guess. And he said, well, yeah, he, he ran into my car and he dented it. Yeah. And it was a rental. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, I'm, so, I'm just glad I didn't, I didn't hit him. I'm like, no, I wish you would have hit him. <laughs> because I'm about to go hit him. Right? And I'm immediately thinking, oh, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, God, I knew it. I should have gave Cain this sermon. But there's always reason, even in the midst of tragedy, even uh, maybe there's sickness and you're like, oh, how, what do I do with this sickness? <laughs> to know that God is doing something that even if this sickness leads to, to death, that what? That I get to be with Christ. If this job is not my ideal, yeah, but it's paying the bills and, and there's other people at work that aren't believers and, and you're the only Christian they get to see on a daily basis and so there's opportunity there. And there is always reason to find joy in Christ, right? And let me just, let me get down to a kind of real practical level because I think, you know, we're always looking for what does it look like to rejoice? Here's one kind of thing I just was thinking about this week. The, the reason some of you are, are so stressed and so anxious and you're taking Tums like they're uh, Tic Tacs because they antacid and you can't sleep. The reason so many of you are so stressed is because you are so stinking busy. I mean, you're in this committee and you're that and you're taking this kid and your kid's on four different teams and he's only four years old and you got him in three different instruments and you got him this and, and the kids are stressed out because you're telling them they need to get a scholarship and they're only six years old and they don't even know what that means. And so they're stressed and you're stressed and no one's sleeping and no one's eating together and, and, and you live there and you like it. And here's what, you say, well, how does this Apply to rejoice in the Lord. You need to learn one of the most great words of the English language. No. You need to learn to say, no, we're not doing that. How is that rejoicing? Because you recognize that you are complete in Christ, and I don't have to impress people by doing this. Some, the reason some of you are so busy, because you feel like everyone, you, you need to impress everybody. Every time you go on a date, Instagram, boop, boop, we're on a date. Just so you know, our marriage is great. Doo -doo. All right. Uh, every time you got, you got 17 teams going on, why are, they, why are the six-year-olds playing 17 travel teams? I don't know. I, it's because you want people to think everything is great. You are free to be complete in Christ. And rejoicing is sometimes saying, no, I am going to take this Saturday off and I'm doing nothing. And that is good. And some of you need to be free to do that. You're just too busy. 
That's why we don't do a ton of programs, and we never will, because I don't want you here except on Sunday. Really. I, I, want you to, I want you to be with your family. I want you to be with your friends. I want you to be with the lost people in your neighborhood. I want you to rest. And freedom, I, I can rejoice by saying no. Right? Here's another homework for you. Is, is go home this week at some point, take out a little piece of paper, take your little journal with little flowers on it, whatever you got, and just spend 15 minutes writing things that you, are, you can rejoice in the Lord for. Because as a Christian, we should, have, we should have the most fulfilled lives of anybody because we understand the purpose of life and the purpose of stuff. I mean, you should be able, as a Christian, to enjoy a good meal better than anybody, a good cup of coffee, a great nap, a good game of Monopoly, a walk on the beach, bacon. These are, these are good things that God has given. And what we do as Christians, what C.S. Lewis says, is that, that we ride the sunbeam back up to the sun. We don't rejoice in the sunbeam. We rejoice in the sun. We're the source of the sunbeam. So when we have bacon, we're like, thank you, Jesus, for bacon. It is a good and perfect gift. And you can rejoice in that and enjoy that the way it is designed to because you're not rejoicing in that ultimately. You're rejoicing in the giver of that. And that is why you need to go home and you need to just write a list of the things that you can rejoice in. And just here's some things I wrote down. Number one, I wrote, my sins are forgiven. As much as a failure and a wretch and a failure as a dad and as a pastor and my past and all my sin, as much as that is true, I have been forgiven. It's a pretty big one, right? that nothing will ever separate me from the love of Christ. I have a wife who loves me. I have four awesome kids who I'm proud of that I love being with. I am short, so my knees won't be bad like some of you tall sinners. <laughs> I wrote it down. I have enough money to pay my bills. I have a church that, despite the fact that some of my sermons really stink, you guys keep showing up to worship Jesus. Just writing things down, right? You got reasons to rejoice in the Lord if you'll think about them. And you, here's what, you need to think about them because if you don't try and you don't purpose to do so, you won't. And you know what you're gonna do instead? You're gonna worry. You gotta go out of your way. You gotta sit down and start practicing rejoicing so that when the anxiety hits, you can go there. Because what, what's, where's the focus gonna be on, on what God has done or what, oh, what I got to do, right? So Paul says rejoice, first thing. Second thing, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord's at hand. The word, some of your translations say gentleness. It's kind of a rich word, all encompassing that. Yielding, kind of your, just your sweet-spiritedness, right? The last thing most of you and I are when we are anxious and stressed our default is not gentleness, is it? I mean, when the kid comes to you at 9.45 at night and says, oh, mom, I was supposed to get cupcakes for tomorrow's party. All right, your response is not typically, well, I've been meditating on Leviticus, and so I'm going to be gentle now. That is not your default. Your default is to freak out and yell at them and then drive grumpily to the Montgomery Crossroads Walmart, which is the worst in the world, by the way, and, and buy cupcakes at 11 o'clock at night. That is your default. That is my default. And Paul says your default should be the opposite, is to be gentle, right? To not freak out. And so be gentle, not a spaz. That's the application. 
And, 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 and that's, that's where we are, right? And come back to expectations. It, how much about you being anxious, you spazzing, you being frustrated, how much can you really control? I mean, really. How many of you can actually change your boss? You think you could actually change your boss? How many think you can control your kids? You can manage them for a while, but you can't control the heart. How many of you can, can control the economy? You can sell the house. You can take care of your health. That you can fix traffic. That your kid's teacher, you can control. You have no control over those things. So why are you going to worry and stress about them? Jesus says this. How many of you, being anxious about your life, can actually add even one hour to your life? You can't. In fact, you're taking it away every time you're worrying. So it says, don't be a spaz. As much as you think ahead and prepare and plan, you're not the sovereign one. He says, be gentle. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. And the word at hand could be he's near or he's at hand. Different translations say different things. And so there's two just thoughts there. Commentators are kind of split. One means he's at hand, i.e. he's coming back soon. Or one means he's near, he is just close. Which one is it? I don't know, but they're both true. Jesus is coming back soon. So there will be no more cupcakes at 930 issue. Jesus is near and no one will snatch you out of his hand. In either case, it's the proximity or the closeness of Jesus that, that reminds you to be gentle. And this is not something that you just manufacture. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It says, let it be observed, not telling everyone how gentle you are. Let them see it. And so you say, well, how, do I, how do I be gentle? You know what the key to being gentle is? Go back to point number one. Rejoice. Because <laughs> you won't, you, if you're rejoicing, you'll respond gently. If you're not rejoicing, you won't. So they go together, which is why they're really, there's a flow there. Remember, the original is just sentence. Rejoice in the Lord. Let your reasonableness be known. The Lord is near. Right? Come back to rejoice. Next one. Next thing. Do not be anxious. Two words you underline in your Bible if you have it. Anything and everything. Two words. Anything and everything. Because there's a play on these words. And in the Greek text, anything is right up front for emphasis. It's like, don't be anxious about anything. It's in bold letters. But in everything, pray. Right? What are you supposed to worry about, be anxious about? Nothing. What are you supposed to pray about? Everything. Right? And here's what you need to grasp. Anxiety, being anxious, he's commanding you to not do it. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Nothing. Because anxiety is not something, it's not a condition to be managed. It's just not some little thing that we need to deal with. You know what it is? It's called sin. It's sin. Maybe not be, may not be I make our big list of sins. It's very interesting. The book of Philippians doesn't really have a big list. You know, we usually think adultery and drunkenness, and murder and stealing. And, and, and Philippians doesn't deal with any of those. It deals with things that we don't really think are big, but to Paul they are, like pride and complaining and legalism and anxiety which is probably where most of us are really at. It's a sin. And what do we do with sin? We repent of sin. We flee sin. We put to death sin. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. It's time to get serious about it. Some of you have no peace 
and you're constantly struggling with this because you aren't dealing with it and you're just kind of managing instead of repenting, right? And rejoicing and letting your gentleness. And then, so what does he say here? And this is kind of probably the most important point in the entire sermon. He says, I, I want you to replace your worry and your anxiety with prayer. Third thing, the way to have peace is pray. And I know that seems so Christianese, right? What's the answer? Jesus and prayer, you're dismissed. Those are the two points in the church always, right? But what is the solution to anxiety? Prayer. It's prayer. What does Jesus do when he's about to go to the cross and he, and he doesn't want to? He prays. What does Peter and Paul and all these examples do when they're facing these situations? They pray. What does Nehemiah do when he's got this huge wall to build and he knows this big problem? He prays. What does Daniel do when he knows he's, he's going to die if he doesn't interpret this dream? He prays. It's the solution. It, it really is. And the result of prayer, verse 7, is the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. That, it, that blows it away. It's mind-boggling. No one gets why you have peace in the midst of this chaos. That, that's what it, the idea. It guards your heart. Literally, it's, it's a military word for garrison. It's, it puts the Navy seals around your heart in Christ Jesus. It keeps you from spazzing is what it does when we pray. And the reality is this, if you were like me, when many of you are, when stuff is, you look ahead at your week, I'm like, how am I going to do all that? I got this, 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 and this. And on top of this, I got this conflict over here. And when you look at that, what do we typically do? We try to figure it out, don't we? And we, don't, we very infrequently pray. We, I mean, let's be, let's be honest. And that's why we stay Stressed out. Or if we do pray, it's typically something like, God, me and my husband don't get along, so just fix my husband. Or I've been trying to lose these 15 pounds for like three years, and I don't like the treadmill, so just help me to lose them. Or, God, my boss is not kind. Make him kind. It's, it's almost like we're whining, right? Our prayers become whining. And Paul's going to say, no, here's how to pray. He's going to teach us four different words he's going to use for prayer. And, and I want you to write them down because th this is kind of, these are key to your peace. These are key to dealing with anxiety. These are key to managing and, and having that in the midst of it. Here, the first word he just says with pray, he says pray, right? And, 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 and where I'm using it is, is you, there should be an adoration in your prayer. It's just a general word for how you feel about God. You need to have a time where you think about the vastness and the bigness and the greatness of God. That's where you start. In fact, Jesus says when he's teaching the disciples pray, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's where he starts, right? With the bigness of God. And just, I don't know how often you get a chance to do this. I don't know how often if you ever do this. Have you thought about just the vastness of God? I mean, if you could somehow get in the Millennium Falcon, which if you don't know what that is, then you just need to leave right now. But if you don't, the, the Millennium Falcon, if you could get in the Millennium Falcon and you could go light speed, right? Do you realize that if you wanted to go from one end of the Milky Way galaxy to the other end of the Milky Way galaxy and you traveled at the speed of light in the Millennium Falcon, it would take you 100,000 years that's how big the Milky Way is. From one tip to the other tip, 100,000 years at the speed of light with Han Solo and Chewbacca. 
Okay? Then once you got out of the Milky Way galaxy, scientists estimate there is between 100 and 200 billion more galaxies. Okay? That's a long time. Do you realize how big that is? Do you realize how vast that is? And your Savior, Jesus, spoke that into existence in one second. Not only that, he sustains it right now with his right hand. So if he can sustain a billion galaxies at one time, can he handle your little schedule and those four things that you're super stressed about, your exams, right, traffic? Can he handle those? See, this is what happens when you start with adoration and the bigness of God. You realize that you either have really big problems in a really small God or really small problems in a really big God. Which is why you need to have adoration because what you do is you start talking and you start preaching not only in thanking God but you're telling yourself things. You are actually, instead of listening to yourself, because some of you do way too much listening to yourself and remember, one of your enemies of your peace is the flesh, is yourself, your old sin nature. And so instead of listening to yourself, some of you need to start preaching to yourself. My God is big. He's vast. He is great. He can handle this. Takes the focus off the issue. Second word, he says, pray with, and supplica- with everything in prayer and supplication. It's, it's a word for, for petition. And petition is very simply you just owning the fact that you don't have what it takes. God, I don't have enough money, resources, recruiting, anything to do this. Have you done that? Are you still trying to manage? How's that managing going? Waking up at one, three, five, no sleep. Lousy diet. It's just owning the fact, God, I don't know what to do. Please help me. And then he says, with thanksgiving. And here's, here's, here's the key one, I think, in this, in this little section. Because we usually think about, I'll be thankful after God answers. Right? Thank you, God, for doing what I said. He says, no, your prayer is offered with thanksgiving because you know since God is good and vast and big that he is going to do things according to his good and perfect will. And sometimes he gives and sometimes he takes away. But at all times, his name is going to be blessed. So I'm going to thank him while I'm praying that he is going to do what is best for me, even if it's not giving me what I've asked for. And I know that that is radical, right? But remember who's writing. A guy who is in jail. You think he's ever prayed to get out? I'm sure he would love to go for a walk, get a bacon sandwich somewhere. He prayed three times. God would take this physical ailment from him, this thorn in the flesh. God says, nope. My grace is sufficient. He knows what it is to not get what he wants, but to rest in the goodness of God. And, and let me just say this. Some of you are praying for things in this body. I do not know why God has not answered it. It boggles my mind. Why certain healing hasn't taken place or certain this hasn't. I mean, I'm, we're praying and I'm like, God, why, why don't you see your children? And so I'm struggling with seeing some of you suffer just as much as you are. But I know this. If there's going to be peace, there's got to be prayer with thankfulness. Right? There's got to be adoration. There's got to be 
petition. And then finally, he says, let your request be made known. Then you get specific. Then you, then you request of God that which you're asking him to do. And be specific. Don't be all general. Lord, help me to get a good job one day. Well, what does that mean? I mean, how do you know if he answers that? What is a good job? What is it? Get specific. My wife sends me out to the Publix. She's got to be specific. Because if she says get shampoo, I'm going to get whatever on sale, even if it's a dog shampoo. Oh, it'll work for him. It'll work for us. That's good. She says get something to eat. I'm coming home with Tombstone, Doritos, and root beer. And think I'm the best husband ever. She needs to be specific. You, you, you have requests to God. Tell him, God, I, me and my husband, we don't communicate well. Please help me to be gentle and communicate so he understands me. I pray for my children that they wouldn't marry a knucklehead one day and that they would be followers of Jesus and they would, they would sit, be sensitive to your voice. Lord, we need $2,300 to pay this. Lord, please provide. Please, when, when, when the kids spill the milk or when they ask for cupcakes at 930, help me to be gentle. See, these are specific. And then when you see God answer, you can be encouraged because you see the God of the universe who creates and holds a billion galaxies actually cares about your little $50 this and your little that. And it's encouraging. Be specific. and Pray. And prayer is hard. It is a discipline. You have to strive in it. Right? You need to set aside, aside time to do it. The Lord Jesus sets aside time to do it. But I can promise you this, and, and just listen to me. You will not have peace until you learn to pray. You want peace? You want freedom from this anxiety? I promise you this. You keep going the way you're going, you're not going to have it. Unless you learn to pray. Unless you, unless you set it this time, utilize your car, right? Turn off the music. Go, go get you a lawn chair and get, take, take it out to one of the beautiful parks we have or someplace and just go sit and pray. But you, I'm, I'm telling you, some of you, 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 gotta, you gotta put this into practice. Right? You will not have peace until you learn to pray, right? Until you learn to rejoice, until you can be gentle. And then one more thing real quick. Until you, until you guard your mind. Look what he says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, excellence, anything worthy of praise, here's your command. Think about these things. And I don't need to unpack every word. You, they're pretty straightforward, just, pure, lovely. He summarizes at the end, anything worthy of praise. The most important decision you will make this week, unless you're getting married, is what you put in your mind. Just it is. What you choose to put in your mind. Because physically you are what you eat, spiritually you are what you put in your mind. You cannot escape it. You cannot sow to the flesh and not reap from the flesh. You just cannot. Right? And we have a church now that's debating whether marriage is between men and women and all these other things. Why? Because they fill their mind with garbage and they're debating things that are clear. They're, the reason the church is falling into sin and the reason you and I do is because we believe lies and then we walk in that lie. That's just what happens. Paul says in Romans 12, don't be conformed to the world. Don't be squeezed into the mold of the world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What you put in your mind will determine who you are. It's just the way it is and you cannot escape it. You just can't, Right? You cannot escape that 
truth. And you're, the world is your enemy, which is trying to steal your joy and steal your peace. And so if you fill yourself up with the world, you're going to get the world. And so look, if you're just watching shows where the men are idiots and, and you know, all this, what are you going to do? You're going to start to have zero respect for men. And you're going to start to look at men as weak. And, and we're going to start raising little boys who never grow up to be men because that's what we just see. If you're, if you're going to look at magazines and, and all these things where your house has to look like this and your waist has to be this side and you have to be this kind of figure and this kind of this, and you're, you're going to see that and that's all you feel, of course you're going to be dissatisfied with this person that you've been married to for 47 years because they don't look like that. And of course, you're not going to you're going to have envy at their house and their yard because my yard doesn't look like them. Of course, that's, that's going to that's happen. If you're watching shows where this guy leaves his wife after 28 years of marriage, but he finds his soulmate and now he's really happy. Uh, of course, you're going to. Oh, yeah, that's that's good. He, he just needs to be happy. It's his soulmate. They dated when they were 13, of course. Right. They just lost each other for. And we're going to start buying it. I mean, if you're 16 year old and you're reading books about falling in love with vampires and stuff, vampires aren't real. And you don't need to be in love with anything at 16, except for Jesus and your homework and food, right? You know, 16 year old, you don't, just, but that's what the world is pushing. And no wonder we're so stressed. And I'll, look, I am not saying you sh we should have no TVs and never go to a movie. That's not what I'm saying. You know very well on December 17th, I already have tickets. <laughs> I'm going to a movie. I'm not anti-movie TV. But if that is your diet and you're watching nine hours of sports a day or this or that, I can tell you you're going to be spiritually dull. You just are. Because you cannot escape what you put in your mind. you got to ask, what kind of person do you want to be? Because that, that whatever you want to be, then you start filling your mind with that. And there are things that you have no business watching. And I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, we know pornography. Yeah, yeah that's a gimme. There are shows that some of y'all are watching that you have no business watching. I mean, and I'll give you an example. And some of you are going to be like, ooh, he's talking to me. You, some of you watching this Game of Thrones trash with naked people running around all the time, I'm telling you right now, you say, oh, I can handle it. You can? Then don't, don't question why you struggle with lust so much and why you're all flirty and all these things and you can't stop thinking your mind's not pure. Don't question why if that's the kind of stuff you're putting in your mind. I'm just telling you. And if you continue down that path, you don't believe it, but I've seen it way too many times. In 15 years, you're going to end up in one of our offices saying, I can't believe, I, I never thought I would have had an affair, but I did, and I don't know even how I got there. I'll tell you how you got there. You started filling your mind with trash, and it slowly leads to that. And I wish I could say that I've never seen it. We've seen it all the time. And I'm just trying to guard you and protect you guys. What you put in your mind it's huge, right? We're so bombarded with stuff, we don't even realize it. Here's an experiment for some of you. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be super hard for some of you, but I'm anxious to hear how, if this works, what happens. Take two nights, just two, two nights this week where you don't do any surfing of the web, you don't do any Instagram. I promise you can like their picture at the beach next week, and you don't do any TV. Have a media fast for just two nights. Do you think you can do it? And what's going to happen is the first hour and a half, you're going to be spazzing. 
You're going to be like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I usually am watching TV right now. I got a show on right now. And you're going to be irritable and you're going to be spazzing. And it's just going to remind you that you have an addiction. And after you get over that, it'll free up to play a good game of sorry with the kids, to read a book, to maybe memorize a verse. Right? To spend time with your kids, maybe to pray. It'll free you up. And you'll be amazed. Would you be willing to do that? Two nights, just two. No, you have to do it two I'll do it. <laughs> it's, right, just, just, to, just to take some time. We're so busy with stuff going on, we never have time to listen to what God might be trying to tell us. Here's, here's something you could do. Read through, can you read through two books of the Bible this week? Not second and third John. All right, okay, yeah, you can do that. Pick two books of the Bible. You know, here's, here's what's interesting. If you just read through an entire book of the Bible, it, it's in one sitting, it's amazing how much you'll understand it. It's just like you go back and watch the same movies over and over, and what happens? You, get, you know the story, and you start recalling things, and you start memorizing the movie. It's the same thing with the book of the Bible. Read, a, read a one gospel in one sitting. And Mark's fine. I know it's the shortest, but that's all right. You can read the gospel of Mark in probably 20 minutes. Most books of the Bible you can actually read in under 10. Now, I mean, don't start in Psalms and, you know, you're going to be there for a while. But that's a way to put stuff in your mind. Music. I'm not anti-secular music. I love me some, you know, aha and Toto. Come on. (laughs) But there are certain songs I cannot listen to. You know why? Because they bring up memories of when I was in rebellion against Christ and those just bring up things that I do not need to put in my mind. So there's a certain, like, almost a decade worth of music that I don't listen to. Right? It's not Journey, though. But I can't because it just brings up things I don't need to think about. I don't want to think about. Because I'm not proud of it. Utilize, you know that every song we do on a Sunday morning, so we're like, I don't know the songs. Go to our website, go to the worship songs, hit the click, click on the song, and you can either buy it or go, you know, find it online. Every single one of the songs we do, we put up every week so that you guys can learn them if you want. Put them in your MP3 player, put them in the car. Utilize, just fill your mind with good. Right? Be, be on guard, right? This, this is what he's saying. Because that's when there's going to be peace. Because when you're thinking about excellence and worthy and it ultimately, where does it lead? It leads back to Jesus. Right? It leads back to Jesus. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And, and here's where he closes. Verse 9. Oh, if your thought life, by the way. That was point four. Sorry. Just guard your thought life. But here's the last verse. He says, what you've learned, received, and heard, and seen in me. Underline it. Practice these things. The God of peace will be with you. Look, you can come in here and say, oh, great sermon, bad sermon, whatever. I affirm everything Bill says, and these things are good. If you do nothing, expect nothing to change. I'm just telling you. He says, where does the peace come from? From practicing these things. And I'm not saying you master, but if you come in and just leave and, and there's no purposing in your heart, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to start... I'm gonna start working and praying through gentleness. I'm going to start rejoicing. I'm going to start guarding my heart and watching what goes in and and what I put in here. If you're not going to do that, then don't expect anything to change. I'm just telling you. And I I can't do anything to help. Because he's laid it out super simple for us. 
This is what it looks like. Love the story of Mary and Martha. You know the story of Mary and Martha? They're sisters. And Jesus is coming to dinner. And you imagine some of you ladies, if Jesus is coming to dinner, you'd be like, oh, you'd be spazzing out, right? You know, you'd be cleaning up underneath the couch and stuff as if Jesus can't see underneath the couch or something being God and all. But, you know, that's another story. Can't, but says so Martha is like spazzing out and she's got cookies in the oven and she's cleaning the sinks and she's vacuuming and everything's all crazy. And meanwhile, her sister's just sitting there with Jesus. And she's getting mad. And she finally comes to Jesus and say, Jesus, will you please tell my sister to help? She's just sitting around. I'm doing all this stuff. I got the cookies in the oven and I got the, you know, sponges in there. And Jesus says, Martha, you are anxious about so many things. So much stuff. Mary has chosen the good part, which won't be taken she chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Some of you just need to say no to all the stuff and just choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. And this is what he constantly says in every other context about worry. Some of you are worried about your clothes and what you're going to look like and what you're gonna, how you're going to feed yourself and all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. But what? Seek first the kingdom. Right? Sit at the feet. All these things will be at it. Some of you, you need this. Because you're killing yourself, you're killing everyone around you. Right? Be, practice these things, y'all. And the God of peace, the one who made peace, because we were at enmity, he, he, he killed his son so that we could have peace with him. We were headed to destruction and hell and he rescues us so we have peace and now he says not only do you have peace with me that you can have peace here but I'm telling you it only comes first in your relationship with him and if you're not a Christian this morning and you're here your greatest need is to not have God as your enemy because if you have not put your faith in him you are you're an object of his wrath but yet he pursued you and loved you and sent his son to die on a cross for your sins. So if you turn from your sin and you believe in, in what he has done for you, he makes you his child. He adopts you. He gives you peace and promises, I'll never leave you. And so if you have questions about that this morning, please grab one of us with the tags on or whatever, and we'd love to sit down with you. If you are a Christian, what we're gonna do is we're gonna practice this right now. We are going to think on these things. We are gonna remember the best thing that we can think about, the cross and the resurrection. We're going to celebrate the table. And here's how we're going to do it. We're not going to get up today. The men are going to come deliver it to you. They're going to hand it out and, and you can grab it. And just after a time of adoration, reflection, of worship, of confession, you, when you are ready in your seat, just partake. Right? So you're going to just spend some time in reflection and thinking on these things. And then you'll partake and then we'll worship and we'll celebrate together and we'll remember together. Let me pray and then we'll worship. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness, for giving us peace in the midst of chaos. And we got a lot of people that are in the chaos right now, Lord. And so I pray that you, by your spirit, would be the very real, that, that he would comfort, that he would guide, that he would allow there to be worship and rejoicing and trust and, and prayer. 
Lord, we don't want to be an anxious church. We want people to see, even in the midst of chaos, we have peace. Please do that. That is your spirit working again, letting our reasonableness be known. It's something you have to do, so please do it. As we remember the table, as we remember that which is beautiful and excellent and pure and lovely and commendable and worthy of praise, just make it go deep into our souls. It's in Christ's name I pray.